From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Wednesday, no, Thursday, excuse me, October 24th, 2019. Uh, we are joined in his weekly spot by Danny Flecka um, in his weekly pilgrimage onto this show. Good evening, sir. How you doing? Um, I am fine. How are you? Not too bad. Almost the weekend, so can't complain. There you go. All right. We haven't talked college football in a while. So um, let's look at a couple things. Number one, uh, and by the way, Aaron Hicks decided to have Tommy John surgery. So uh, he thought he could avoid it, but he has decided to go for it. Um, so there you go. Um and Masahiro Tanaka had bone spurs removed from his elbow, and Luke Voigt had surgery on a core muscle. Here's all your after-you-lose injury updates for the Yankees. Um, that's a bad job hosting by me. All right. College football. Tua goes out. All that matters for Alabama is the LSU game. He's got one less week to recover than he did for the LSU game. Um, sorry, that then he did for the national championship game, got the exact, sorry, for the uh, sorry, playoff semifinal, same surgery he got before that semifinal last, last, uh, last December, January. What's your feeling on Alabama and Tua? I think they'll be fine for the next couple of weeks until they get to Alabama, uh, to LSU. Obviously that's the game that's going to make or break, you know, both season, uh, each respective team. So uh, it looked pretty nasty when it happened. I think he's fortunate that it's uh, a minor procedure like he had done last year. Uh, you know, that, that could be a good thing in the sense that the, the medical staff there and he as well knows, you know, how to rehab the injury, how to get him prepared for the game, how to make sure that, you know, any swelling or discomfort is alleviated prior to the game. Um, but I have to imagine that, you know, for the rest of the year when he does come back, he's not going to be the same two that we saw for the first the eight games of the season so far. Um, you know, he didn't have any real ill effects against, um, I mean, against Oklahoma when he, he had that surgery. Um, but then again, Oklahoma's defense last year wasn't anything really to, to ride home about. I think that the Alabama team was also built differently. Um, so he was able to get through that game, but I think we saw maybe some of the effects in that Clemson game. It was those limited mobility and accuracy issues. So it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back. You know, the LSU game, he could probably go on just adrenaline, really, to be honest with you, uh, coming back from that surgery. But it's going to be an interesting game uh, between both those teams when we get there. I'm sure we'll talk more about it as it gets closer, but it, it's really shaping up to be probably the game of the season right now. Alright, so there's a couple things that have happened that we have not gotten a chance to talk about on this show. Number one is the Georgia loss. How do you view Georgia now after this loss? They're 6-1, and one, they're 10th in the AP poll, 9th in the coaches poll. How do you view uh, Georgia right now in context of everything else? They're definitely on the outside looking in. Uh, that, that loss definitely didn't do much to help them. Uh, but they still have some things that can go their way. And, and a couple of those things are, I don't know if you have the schedule in front of you, but, um, you know, they still have to play Florida. 
Um, so that, you know, as long as Florida keeps winning, that game will hold more weight, um, you know, in the final part of the season. And they have to hope the Notre Dame wins out. Uh, you know, that would be their, their signature win before they potentially get to Alabama or LSU in the SEC championship game. Um, so they really need those two things right now. They need a, a nice, convincing win over Florida, and they then need uh, Notre Dame to want to go into Michigan and win this weekend and continue to win the rest of the season. That way they can bolster up their RPI or whatever, or FPI, whatever the heck metric that they use nowadays to help, you know, um, compare and contrast these teams. And then obviously that SEC championship game against a, a number one ranked, you know, LSU or Alabama could also help them out tremendously. And, and there's still a lot of other things that can go their way, you know, which is the top five, top ten, you know. Ohio State still has a couple of tough games left, but, you know, the way they've been playing, they might be able to cruise through the Big Ten. Um, you know, LSU, Alabama, one of those dominoes will fall there. And then, um, you know, like I said, Notre Dame is a big key for them. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But they can still get there, but they're on the outside looking in right now. Then we go to Wisconsin, who lost to Illinois. I mean, that's a bad loss when you lose to Illinois. You hadn't beaten anybody in basically three years. Um, I have to think that the best Wisconsin can do, that they're not going to make the playoff and they can just work on being a spoiler. I mean, they plummeted in the polls, and that's just a bad loss. Yeah, I was really looking forward to this week's matchup with them going to Columbus and having two top ten teams there fight out in the Big Ten, but, you know, we're not going to get that this year. Their best-case scenario right now is, an, is a Rose Bowl for, Um you know, I, I don't know what their chances are probably of knocking off Ohio State in oh, in Columbus. They're going to have to need to play an A-plus game. I hope that Ohio State has some struggles, um, which they've done in the past. You know, we, we've seen them lose one or two fluky games a year the last couple of years. Um, not at home, but, you know, they, they have done so. Um, but right now, Wisconsin's best bet right now is just to, to win out and make the Big Ten championship and hope for a Rose Bowl berth. Because I think they're the probably them or Iowa is going to be that team that's probably going to get the Rose Bowl berth if Ohio State does not make the college football playoff. All right. So now we get to my most intriguing team in these rankings. And by the way, I'll just use the AP poll. Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Penn State, Florida, Notre Dame. Uh, which is one through eight. And you'll see why I'm including Notre Dame here um, in, a, in a second. Penn State, for me, I think has surprised some folks. They've had some really quality wins. They're, they look like a complete team. They didn't miss a beat uh, when their quarterback moved on. They have a good defense. They've held their, excuse me, they, they held on against Michigan in the wideout game, but all their other wins, they gave up 7, 13, 10, 0, 7, 12. They've had a really stout defense, albeit not against a big-time schedule. Now, at Michigan State on the road this week, at Minnesota, home Indiana, and that November 23rd game at Ohio State, which for me right now looks like the game that if Ohio State is going to go down, that's the game that's going to happen. Yeah, Penn State's interesting. You know, I didn't think that they started off the season really on, on a good foot. They they barely beat Pittsburgh. They had some tough showing. They really clicked, you know, when they played Maryland uh, Friday night down in College Park a couple weeks ago. And they've been rolling ever since. The thing that concerns me for them is, like we just mentioned, their schedule. They still have to go to Michigan State, which has always been a thorn in their side for the last couple of years. You know, let's not forget... 
uh, a couple of years ago when Penn State had, you know, Saquon there, McSorley, and that team was humming. Um, after a blowout win against Michigan, they had to go up to Michigan State, and they played in one of the most bizarre games ever that had a three-hour delay uh, due to weather and ended up losing that game. Um, you know, then they subsequently lost to Ohio State after blowing a big-time lead as well uh, that same season. So um, they still have a ton of work to do. They're nowhere near complete as far as punching their ticket anywhere. Um, this week's a big game for them. It's a tricky spot. Michigan State's a tricky place to play. Uh, Dan Tony is always good for one of these upsets a year. You know, they got the, their doors blown off against Ohio State and Wisconsin, so you have to think that he's going to hit his team as prepared as possible for this being probably their biggest upset uh, spot for the rest of the year. So if they get past this week, uh, don't discount the other trip to Minnesota, uh, but they should knock on wood if they get through this week, go into Columbus undefeated again, squaring up for uh, a Big Ten title race uh, and Big Ten championship uh, finish there. All right. So that then brings us back to the rankings and to a couple teams that are sitting here. Florida, I have to think their only chance of getting to the playoff is by making it to the SEC championship game and winning it because you would think on the surface Alabama LSU is going to decide itself. If they deem one of those two teams worthy of being in the playoff, they may make it in or need, if you're Florida, to beat that team and win the SEC to dethrone them. I think that's their only path, and I don't think they can lose the SEC championship game and get in, right? Am I probably right on that? Yeah, I don't think Florida's a real contender, to be honest with you. They've had a great year. They've rallied around the third-string quarterback, um, but I think that they are going to end up being on the outside looking in. I think Georgia's going to take care of business when they do play them. Um, I just don't see how Florida has enough you know, in the tank to get there. But they're a team to watch out for in that SEC as it continues to rebuild. You know, it's been very top-heavy the last couple of years. Um, but they are a team to keep an eye out for next year as Dan Mullen continues to do what he does best, you know, over there. But I just don't see how Florida has enough to make it, you know, past Georgia or even get to the SEC championship game. All right. So this then brings us to... Da, 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 da. Clemson. Clemson is two in the coaches poll, four in the AP poll, sitting here with a super weak schedule. There is not in the AP poll another, literally 25th, 25th in this poll is Wake Forest. That is the first ACC team left here. Clemson, I feel like, needs to just run up the score in every damn game because you can make an argument for some of these teams playing better opponents if they want to be the one or the two seed. Now, this then goes into what seed do you want in the playoff? How do you want to play into this? But if Clemson keeps rolling, there is nothing to stop them other than other teams playing better than they are who are not in their conference. Yeah, and for Clemson, I, I think they're safe as long as they run the table. You know, you're going to see one of two LSU and Alabama drop out. And, you know, there could be that argument that, you know, what two SEC teams make it, et cetera. Um, but I just don't see how Clemson, as a defending 
national title holder, running the table, going 12 and 0 with the, the team that they have, not making that college football playoff. You know, I think that they get in there as a three or four seed as long as things keep going the way that they need to be going for them. Um, you know, it's not their fault that their their conference has been terrible this year. You know, bounce back years from like Florida State and Miami have not been there. You know, bringing down the conference. And, you know, it's just one of those transition years for that conference in general where they're just not going to be a, a competitive conference. But if Clemson goes undefeated, throttles the rest of the teams in their in their conference, wins the conference championship, and one or two, you know, Alabama, LSU, is sitting there with one loss. I just cannot see how they leave out Clemson as the national title holder. You're a Notre Dame fan. What's your thoughts on them right now? Currently eighth in the AP poll, seventh in the coaches poll. Yeah, they need a lot of things to go right in order for them to get to the national title or to the college football playoff. You know, they got to definitely win this week and win out um, and then see what else happens. Uh, it's going to be hard for them to jump up four spots unless Ohio State. Uh, Clemson, LSU, Alabama, Georgia really, really, really fall off. I just don't see them getting there. You know, their biggest game so far this season was that Georgia game. They hung in there. They played tough, but, you know, they didn't do enough to win. If they had that game and they won that game, I'd say they'd be sitting in a good spot right now, but they need a lot of things to go right in order for them to get in there because I think a lot of the teams that are going to have one loss, if they have one loss, they're going to have stronger resumes than them. Talking to Danny Flecka here on Teeing It Up. All right, so then that brings us to Oklahoma, and we're going to go two ways with this conversation. First of all, if Oklahoma wins the Big 12, are they in, or are they just that good? Yeah, they, they have to be in. You know, they're going to be 12-0, and 13-0, whatever it is. Um, they haven't, I think the closest margin of victory this year was 10 points against Texas. Um, you know, they're, they're probably going to be playing Texas or Iowa State in the Big 12 championship game. Uh, maybe even Baylor. Who knows? Baylor's had a, a really surprising year. Um, yeah, 14th in both polls. In- Sorry, go ahead. 14th in uh, both yeah. polls for uh, Baylor. That's all I was saying. Yeah, so I don't really see any team really knocking them off. And as long as they're undefeated, they're in there. And I think, you know, if you put a, a gun to my head right now, the top four teams I think that are going to make it in there, you know, I think LSU is going to win in Alabama. So I think I'm going to take LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma right now. Yeah, that's, it seems like the winner of the LSU-Alabama plus, if they all went out, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, that's your four. That seems to be where this is headed. All right, the Heisman discussion. Where is your thoughts on this? Because for me, it's Jalen Hurts. But but you I said to me the other day. I'm in a race right now. Uh, 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 sorry to interrupt you, but you said to me the other day you're not as much on the Jalen Hurts bandwagon as I am. So what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I think it's between Jalen Hurts and and Burrow right now, and I think what hurts hurts you know <laughs> is that he is not um, going to be playing those tough games down the stretch. Where you see Burrow has already played Florida. They have Auburn this week. They have Alabama coming up. And then, you know, either a rematch with Florida or potentially Georgia in the SEC championship game. So, you know, he's playing a, a tough slate there. And his performances have indicated that he is 
statistically the best QB in the country right now. I think in order for Hurts to really leapfrog him, he needs to go scorch the earth type of uh, statistics-wise. He needs to keep having four or five touchdown games, 100 yards on the ground, 300 yards in the air, 95% completion percentage. But, you know, in a vacuum, I do think Hurts is a better prospect than Burrow. And, you know, we can talk about that and debate that at another time and why I think that. But I think Hurts is slightly behind Burrow right now, but I do think he has just as good a chance as anyone else to win it this year. Um, all right, so now moving off of college football, any NFL thoughts? <laughs> Both of our teams just had woeful weekends. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where you want to start with the Jets. I don't even know if the Jets are worth talking about. Are the Jets worth talking about? I don't think so. I mean, I think they just are in a very difficult situation right now you know with a young quarterback a coach who's there for his first year injuries have been piling up and um yeah, here we are at the trade deadline and they're looking to get rid of some players potentially as well so the Jets came in with a lot of hype and a lot of expectations this year and it uh, unfortunately did not go that that way no it did not um we're going to get to the Giants in a second because I'm curious about something but what out of uh, Let's start with the Cowboys. Cowboys come off a couple of woeful performances, and then they absolutely demolish the Eagles. What's up with the Cowboys, and who are they, and what's up with the Eagles? Because they seem like a team in disarray, and now we have the wonderful anonymous source problem cropping up again for the Eagles. Yeah, I think the Cowboys are a team that is traditionally going to always do better at home, and we saw that uh, on Sunday night. And I think... They're not going to really get a home game in the meat of the playoffs because they are chasing teams like the Packers, who already beat them, um, the Saints, who already beat them, the Vikings, and you know San Francisco and Seattle out west. So they're going to prop. They're going to contend for the NFC East. You know they still have to go to Philadelphia, to New York. They still probably have a. They still have to play the Patriots and the Bears. They still have a tough schedule left, uh, so nothing is guaranteed for them, but they are just traditionally always better at home, and uh, they, they showed that on Sunday night. And I just think the Eagles are, are desperately missing uh, a couple of different things, and one of them is a cornerback that can cover, and Deshaun Jackson, who's been out since week two. Yeah, it's uh, they need their bye week. Have the Eagles had their bye week yet? I do not think so. Um, but I feel like they all just they need. To, I feel like they all just need to get away from each other for a couple of days and calm down. Yeah, I mean the Eagles tend to do this. Uh, they did it last year. They were left for dead, and then they came back. I, I just think that you know they they are lacking some weapons that they thought that they would have. They their secondary is in shambles. Um, their defensive line isn't producing like it has been the last couple of years. And Doug Peterson, as much moxie and balls as he has, doesn't really commit to his game plan, depending on the, on the game flow. They don't run the ball enough to keep Carson Wentz upright. Um, Wentz is still making some mistakes, uh, you know, two turnovers in the first three drives uh, on Sunday. So they just need to go back to what worked for them. 
and establish that run game, allow Wentz to have those RPO actions, and eventually when Deshaun Jackson comes back, have someone that's going to lift the top off that defense that allows for Ertz and everybody else to be so effective underneath. So I think that's what they really are missing, and I feel like they might think they have some of those things in-house, but I'm not going to be surprised if they are super aggressive in the trade market to get some sort of cornerback help, whether that's Patrick Peterson, Janoris Jenkins, whoever it might be. Um, they need somebody, and uh, uh, they have shown in the past that they're aggressive when it comes to that. Uh, and they play Buffalo this week, uh, which which doesn't help matters at Buffalo. What's your take on Buffalo? Are they for real? I think that they are a good regular season team, and it's not a knock on them. It's just a knock on what it is that they have in place there, and that's just not an explosive enough of an offense to help out that defense. And there are only so many games that you can win with your defense being able to shut the other teams out. Eventually, you're going to need your team to put up 25 to 30 points a game. And I know they scored 31 on Sunday, but you know, let's take away that onside kick recovery. Uh, Miami was in there that entire game. Uh, Fitzpatrick did what he does and produced one of his best games of the season and, and kept Miami in there. But I just don't see how the Bills can make a deep run or get to where they want to get to unless they are able to have Josh Allen consistently make throws down the field and make throws underneath and not have to rely on his legs to beat teams. Um. You know, something that's interesting about the NFL landscape right now is that we've seen a lot of trades recently uh, for cornerbacks and now for wide receivers. And by the way, uh, this just broke. I'm probably breaking this news to you. Um, Just give me one second here so I can confirm and I'm seeing this correctly. The Pats have traded Michael Bennett to the Cowboys for a seventh in 2021 that can become a sixth. Yeah, that's news to me. I'm not surprised. The grumblings up here have been that he was on the block and that he wasn't a fit for what they were looking for. He became a luxury based off their performances so far this year. Suspended last week. You know, he had a he had some media availability today. I think where he said some things that you know you usually don't hear. Patriot players say, and I think he was on borrowed time, and, you know, it, it is what it is, but they have what they need right now, I think the Pats do, they made the trade for Sanu, um, their defense is strong, it's deep, they have the pieces in place that they think they can compete with, so I'm not surprised that they did what they did here, and the Cowboys, like, like we just mentioned, you know, they, they're a good home team, their defense is, is decent. They probably thought Bennett could help with some pass rush, take some pressure off the Marcus Warren a little bit, um, and maybe solidify some of that that, uh, that run defense as well. But um, that, that, this trade does not surprise me in the slightest. Yeah, and uh, that, that Pats defense is good. I mean, seeing it for the first time myself, because I was traveling during the first uh, uh, Pats-Jets game, um, that, that, that is a ferocious defense, and it's going to give Baker Mayfield all kinds of problems this Sunday, 425 on the CBS Television Network. Um, let's look for a second here at the other wide receiver trade and how that helps San Francisco. Yeah, I just think it gives them another option. You know, they, they've had some bad luck with their drafting of wide receivers 
Um, you know, they drafted Jalen Hurd and Trent Taylor the last two years. Both have not seen the field this year. Um, you know, they had some, some decent pieces there with Marquise Goodwin and Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel. But here you get somebody that's been through the grind. He understands what it takes to get make it to the playoffs, to get to the Super Bowl. Um, I think he'll help out Jimmy Garoppolo, but Garoppolo still scares me if I'm a 49ers fan. He still has not been able to take over games, and uh, that's really what I think that needs to be the next step for this 49ers team to really be that real deal. Um, you need to be able to potentially go into places like Lambeau or the Superdome and be able to throw the ball. Um, and hopefully Sanders helps them out a bit. I think it's going to take some time for them to get acclimated and to get things figured out. Um, you know, where he fits in, but the Kyle Shanahan offense isn't looking for that burner down the field or that big possession wide receiver. He's looking for people, you know, that are able to run routes across the middle, get open on the outside on, on deep, deep dig routes or on deep hook routes. So I think Sanders could be a really good fit for them for the last couple of weeks of the season. <clears throat> really interesting matchup. Uh, Monday night against Seattle, November 11th. That, I think, is going to be a really interesting game because, as you pointed out, also on their schedule, home Green Bay at New Orleans. Those are both tough environments to walk into. This 6-0 is going to get gut-checked in a couple weeks. They can probably maybe beat Carolina this week at home. Then they go on the road to Arizona. That should be an easy win. But Monday, November 11th against um, Seattle is a really intriguing game. Yeah, I think the 49ers are good. I think that they've done a really good job of getting ahead of the curve here, giving themselves six wins. I really like Carolina this week, though, and going out there. Um, I think the 49ers are due for, for a loss. Um, they had some bounces go their way. The schedule has gone their way. I do think that Carolina is going to present, you know, a, a matchup problem for them, both um, offensively and defensively. I think, you know, getting... McCaffrey establishes Carolina's number one priority, and you know they have a good defensive front. So it's going to be interesting this week to see that game. I think Carolina is prime for a nice upset there of San Francisco. Uh, talking to Danny Flecky here in his weekly spot. Um, finally, before we go, uh, World Series thoughts, if you have any, with the Nats up 2-0. I haven't really watched any of it, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, after the Yankees got eliminated, I, I tuned out. Um, but really impressive wins from what I, I've read about, you know, taking down Cole and Verlander in Houston. Here the Nationals, we talked about it with the Yankees. You want to be able to split one in Houston and be able to go back home where you have three games to potentially put a stranglehold on the, the series, and they've done that. They've now put themselves in a situation where they have to force the Astros' hand and see when... Cole and Verlander will be pitching next. You know, Game 3 is obviously very pivotal pivotal for the Astros, but I'll be honest with you, I'm not saying this because I'm a homer, I'm not saying this because I'm a Yankee fan or anything like that, but I thought the Yankees had that series uh, right there for them. They left too many men on base, and yeah. hit, um, had some bad bullpen decisions or bad pitchers, uh, bad pitches thrown by their bullpen aces that cost them, you know, Game 2 and and game six. So I thought that the Astros looked a little bit vulnerable. Their middle of their lineup didn't really hit that well against the Yankees. And we're kind of seeing that happen a little bit more here against some better pitching with Stroudsburg and Scherzer going on the mound for the Nationals. So it's going to be interesting to see what Houston does in game three. 
Uh, obviously, they'll be throwing out Cranky, and if they get that win, maybe they feel more relaxed. But I think that if they're down 2-1 or 3-0, they might be looking to bring, you know, Cole or Verlander on short rest to at least give them a chance to build a lead and get to their bullpen. Finally, you know that we like to do something a little offbeat and fun when I have you on the show, right? Yeah, of course. And by the way, I agree with you with everything you, you said about the Yankees. Uh, they, they had that series. I think they would have hit Cole in Game 7. They just overused the bullpen and didn't use them correctly. XFL draftees is from Kevin Seifert uh, from ESPN. Uh, Corey Vereen will not play in the XFL's 2020 reboot because of low pay. Uh, everybody except quarterbacks will uh, will get uh, $2,000 every two weeks there under contract. Max base salary of $27,000 for the season. There's bonuses, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Do-do-do-do-do-do. Vereen uh, became the first to announce a reversal of somebody who was drafted, saying he is making more money as a software developer than he would have in the XFL during its inaugural season. Who is this? I'm sorry, I missed the name. Corey Vereen, a defensive end from the University of Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, the XFL, I think, is going to be an interesting experiment. Uh, it's really being used, I think, as a potential developmental league for the NFL. And if, you know, players aren't seeing the ROI on their end to potentially go out there and risk their body, risk injury, not have guaranteed contracts, et cetera, you know, I, I admire his decision to not go out there and risk it all because he has decided to make a life for himself outside of the game. So, you know, it's not... I'm not surprised uh, based off of that. You know, I think after the debacle with the AAF, too, some players probably are a little more hesitant to give up, you know, well-paying jobs if they have that, uh, to go out there and risk potentially getting hurt for $20,000 in five months. So um, uh, good for him. You know, I really take my hat off to him because not a lot of players think that way. The other aspect of this, which is interesting, is he was one of the leading sack leaders in the AAF last year, the now defunct AAF. He would have earned $70,000 if that league had gone um, had had gone through. The maximum he could have earned, if you're active for all 10 games and is on a, uh, and is on a uh, team that goes 5-5, five and five, is $55,000 a year. And this is the first public announcement of the contract so uh, sorry of the salaries and and contract structure so this is an interesting story if you believe in a developmental league which i do the nfl should buy it and run it itself i don't believe any of these spring leagues run outside of the nfl can survive because of insurance and other reasons yeah and we're not going to see the owners pay money for that so it's going to be really hard to ever see anything like that come up well, you can license it out, you know, and give it to other people. I mean, that's what a lot of a, a lot of what happened with the with the NBA's D League, now the G League, um, and then you know now NBA owners are kind of bringing you know starting their own and kind of bringing that back in house so that they can have more of a easier two way contract, excuse me, system as they gear up for the next CBA. So they have found the right structure. The NFL is obviously a whole different animal with 53 or however many players versus uh, 12 or 13 for 
for uh, the NBA, but it, it is interesting. Can these leagues survive? Is there a market? Is there an appetite for it when most people are thinking about NBA and, and NHL playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I think for the NFL, when you talk about like these developmental leagues, I think an interesting way of, of doing it, I, I don't know. I mean, we know with AAA and the, um, you know, minor league hockey, et cetera, you know, that those models work for those leagues. But an interesting model that works for uh, soccer teams in Europe is uh, basically a youth academy or uh a KV team, um, and you know, I, I think one thing that the NFL could potentially look at is you know expanding their practice practice squads. You know, paying these players these similar type of salaries, allowing them to be part of the practices, the culture of the teams, etc., and basically scrimmaging against other practice squads uh, of the league. Um, I think that's something that you know works out in Europe for soccer. They have these developmental teams, you know, within the organization that play basically a full season against other developmental squads in that division. And that's something that the NFL, if they were smart, could potentially do. You know, you take these players, you keep them on your roster, allow them to use your facilities, have access to your coaches and to your, your culture and everything else along those lines, playbook. That way, if there is an opportunity for them to come back, come up, you know, they have that opportunity to do so. You're not pulling, you know, people off the street. So that, that's the way I think I would try to model a developmental league for the NFL. That is really interesting. That That is a really interesting thought and interesting idea. And I'll be curious to see if in the next CBA the NFL seeks to expand that. Danny Flecka, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. No problem, man. Have a good night. And thank you all. Uh, you're welcome. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.